This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Murray Williams. In the program this week, football's A-League season continues with the Phoenix making a belated start and we'll hear from a couple of key players. Round three of rugby's provincial championship is underway and Counties Monaco will try to take the Ranfurly Shield from Southland, giving a former All Black captain a belated chance to lift the log of wood. Meanwhile, the New Zealand women's rugby team's off to try to win a fourth World Cup, this time in England, where New Zealand sailors are getting a good look at the venue for the 2012 Olympic Games. There are nine New Zealand crews in the top ten of their classes, with two days remaining in an Olympic-class regatta being sailed off Weymouth. The New Zealand men's and women's hockey teams for the Commonwealth Games have been announced, taking the team to 193, 56 fewer than Melbourne four years ago, and we'll hear from some of the veteran players. The hockey teams were the last to be named, and they modelled the new game's uniform, designed to honour Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay, inspiring athletes to aim for the top. The uniform features a silhouette of Mount Everest and the numbers 29028, the height in feet, when the pair reached the summit of the world's highest mountain in 1953. Two football first though, and after just missing out on their A-League final last season, the Phoenix will ride a World Cup-generated wave of support in Wellington when they play Gold Coast United. They're looking to go one better than last year and reach the grand final after having to sit and watch other teams play last weekend. Striker Paul Eiffel told Joe Porter that having the bye makes it feel like the longest pre-season ever. It's given us a bit of extra time to sit back and watch the teams and see what they're about and, and, and prepare right for this game, so we're, we're ready to go. Yeah, what is it like having a bye first week? I mean, I suppose it gives you a chance to have a look at the other teams, but once again, they've had that first match hit out that you guys haven't. Yeah, no, I found it strange because, you know, having played whatever it was, 12 or 13 years back home, that just doesn't happen. There's no sort of buys are unheard of, so um, it, was, it was strange for me having to sit back and, and see the league start without us having a game, but, you know, that's the nature of the beast and that's what it's going to be like this year. So, in a sense, it's a good way to get it out of the way. Early doors, the results pretty much went for us, you know, four draws and, a, and one win. We win Friday 2-0 and we can go top the table, so that's the incentive, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, New Zealand football has come on in leaps and bounds over the last 18 months since you've been part of that ride and I'm watching the All Whites over at the World Cup. Any pressure on the Phoenix boys' shoulders to maintain that momentum that New Zealand football has built up in the last year and a half? I suppose it's, it's, it's pressure in a sense, but... Oh. We're playing a game of football, I don't feel pressure when we're playing football, it's, you know, it's only a game and I think we're always out there trying to do the right things and I think we've got a good honest bunch of boys here you know, and I think they'll, sort of personal pride will, will take over anyway. The boys that have come back from the World Cup have done exceptionally well over there and, and they'll want to continue that and, and the rest of us who didn't go there you know, are immensely proud of them and, and what they've done and we want to continue that and you know, we had a good season ourselves last year so we'll want to carry that on so I think it just it comes back to personal pride. Um, there's always an element of pressure in, in football, but I think you could put that aside and, and go out and enjoy it, really. You must have been pleased with your form last year, picking up a truckload of goals. I mean, you'd be looking to replicate that form? Yeah, definitely. I think it's important to try and always better yourself and 
you know, 13 goals, I think, and nine assists. So I need to, I need to get double figures and assists. And it, I always look if I can get, go for the double double. Double double. That's what it's all about. You know, that's what I wanted last year, and, and I missed out. But um, it was the most goals I've scored in the season, so I take that. So, but you know, if I can get sort of similar stats again this year, and you know, hopefully Dylan and Greeny can chip in, and and Leo can chip in, then you know we're looking good for a chance at the title maybe you mentioned Dylan McAllister obviously new to the side and joining you up front how do you feel your partnership and your combination has been developing well it's more Greeny and, and Dylan really I'm going to be pushed wide more um, this season which, which suits me fine I don't mind where I play so that's, that's all good but I think Dylan and, and Greeny are both big talkers which helps me and Leo you know that they're, they're sort of guiding us where they want us and where they want us to put the ball which always helps Having played with Greeny last year, I know what he's all about and he works so hard for the team and I think having Dylan up front with him is going to help him immensely. Um, I think you'll see a, a different Chris Greenacre this year and I think between them they'll they grab some goals for us. Just a step or two away from making that grand final last year. Expectations will be running high amongst the public, even in Australia this time round. Do you think that other teams are perhaps not going to take you maybe as lightly as they did last year? Yeah, I think so. I think we got away with it a little bit last year, You know, flew under the radar and, and teams maybe sort of underestimated us, I think. Our main thing is to sort our format on the road. I think we were pretty terrible. Two wins on the road. It's just not good enough. Um, you know, we've got to keep the home record going, obviously, but it's anything than last year's an improvement. Three wins on the road will, will take us close, I think, if we keep the same home record. So um, that's, that's the main thing. We get these two home games out of the way and, and focus on Brisbane Raw. So that's where it starts. Home record is immensely impressive. Yellow fever got a lot to do with that? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I've said it all along that it makes a big difference. I mean, it's not just the yellow fever, it's, it's all the fans, but I think you can see from the lads the minute they score, most of the time it's, it's straight to that corner to say a big thank you. It's, it's like they're sucking the ball in half the time, and, and it does make a big difference, you know. Um, when you're down or things ain't going well and, and you can hear them singing, or for, for me personally, I like, you know, when, when they have a roar, when I'm, when I'm on the ball, if you do something bad, you get the ball again and they're straight back in and they want you to do, do well again, so I think it spurs you on. Coming from a part of the world where football is the be-all and end-all, coming over to New Zealand, now been part of the Phoenix for a few seasons and part of that dramatic rise, I guess, of popularity in this country. I mean, it must be kind of special for someone that's not from New Zealand to be involved in, I guess, what is the development of New Zealand football? Yeah, definitely. I keep finding myself saying we, um, so I'm, I'm definitely feeling like a Kiwi. Um, no, like I said, the boys make you so feel so welcome that you do feel one of, one of the lads anyway, and I think you just can't help that. It's... it's I don't know, it's like a fever, you just can't, it just sort of takes over you and it's just nice to be part of it, you know, and um, on the back of the World Cup, the, the place is buzzing and I think it's a, it's a great time to be playing football, coaching football, anything to do with football at the moment, so um, yeah, just happy to be part of it, really. The Phoenix striker, Paul Eiffel, talking to Joe Porter. And a former Phoenix favourite, the all-white striker Shane Smeltz is back with Gold Coast after his brief move to China. He told Stephen Hewson the Phoenix appear to have recruited well and the squad looks at least as good as last year's. They're going to be there or thereabouts again this season. It's just whether you know they can get that form that they had running last season, and we're obviously going to try and get the, the same sort of form that we had in patches as well last season. And you know, the same as every club. But I guess this is the first hit out between our two clubs, and it's, it's good to get the number on on your opposition straight away. So you think they may look a little bit stronger on paper than they did last year? Yeah, I'd say I'd say they would actually. I think they've made some decent swings and they've they've certainly kept the, the core of their squad, which was a decent core, and they're always improving. I think each year the things have, have improved, so it's it's probably another year they've, they've taken another step forward. How have you you've settled back into Gold Coast after the, the brief stint in China? Yeah, I'm over all that, mate. It just didn't work out, and 
and I'm back here just focusing on my football again and it's good to get in the, the routine again and, and get back to playing. Was it a cultural thing? You just didn't feel comfortable there? What was the, the problem? You know, I don't want to go into it too much because I've left it behind now, but yeah, it just didn't work out, mate. It wasn't set up properly and wasn't happy with the situation, so I'm glad I'm back and, and, and forgotten about it, really. Did you have any other firm offers? Because there was sort of talk about Germany, etc., immediately after the World Cup. There's always a few things going on. But at the moment, I just want to concentrate on what I'm doing here. It's only fair to, to Gold Coast and that, that I sort of concentrate on on making sure we do well. But look, in terms of what can happen down the track, no one knows. But did you actually have any, any firm offers from the likes of Europe or anywhere? No, mate, no. I was just, yeah. just discussing things, yeah. No, no, yeah. there wasn't. And you've sort of settled back after the World Cup. Obviously, we've got the matches against Paraguay and Honduras coming up for the All-Whites. Your thoughts on those? Yeah, looking forward to those. That'll be good. Obviously, getting back with the squad and getting back and playing a game in New Zealand, which will be fantastic, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be good for the, all the supporters. So, you know, really looking forward to that. I'm sure you know, every player that was involved in the World Cup will be looking forward to getting back and, and having a hit out. And, you know, hopefully we can get a full strength side. And there are obviously some, some good oppositions as well that we're, that we're playing. So, yeah, we're looking forward to those games. That's Shane Smeltz talking to Stephen Hewson, and this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. Two rugby now and two rounds into the provincial championship, and there's a top-of-the-table clash involving a team few would have picked to have started with home-and-away wins over Otago and Wellington. Counties Monaco are playing the co-leaders Southland, and that's given Tana Umanga a chance to enjoy something he never managed with Wellington, lifting the Ranfurly Shield. Umanga's playing as well as helping the Steelers coach Milton Haig, who's from Southland, and the 37-year-old talked to Barry Guy about what he's been able to add to the team. Just bringing my experience and what I've learned over time, being able to um, impart some of that on these boys and and for them to understand just to, about why we do things in certain parts of the field, understanding that you know, we, we love having the ball and, it's, and we're good at it, but we, we have to be just as excited when we don't have the ball. And I think uh, if you talk to a lot of people, the, the biggest difference that Kenny's Manukau has made uh, is in our defence, really. Again, that's part due to the, the systems that, that Milton's implemented here and just our willingness to work for each other and, and, and back each other up. So we're just going to hope that keeps going. And obviously, I, for myself, I'm quite big on being proud of our, our, our defensive system and being proud of, about when we play at home, we're in front of friends and family and that we don't want to let anyone down and also not letting anyone down within our team. So... You know, there's those little things that hopefully I've brought and that guys have picked up on. A self-belief in that? Yes, exactly. And, and really fulfilling their potential and, and working hard to, to the goals that they want to achieve. So these guys really do have a really good work ethic. And so we just got to make sure that we tell that properly and, and they understand the detail of what we're doing. You know, everyone can see the overall, overall picture, but it's more the detail to, uh, to certain things and... Again, I think uh, I've hopefully helped with that. So has the Shield actually been talked about at all? Oh, well, we can't help but be a, <laughs> have heard about the Shield. or as a, as a group, we're not really talking about it. But, you know, we acknowledge that it's there, but we're trying to just concentrate on, on doing the small things first, concentrating on our roles and what we want to achieve in the game. And then, as Milton said, it, the Shield's just residue, the residue of um, our performance. So you know, if we get that right... 
we get the points for the win, and then the shield will come along with that. So, you know, we're not chasing the shield. It's more we just want to get out there and do the same that we've been doing the last couple of weeks, do it a bit better, and uh, hopefully uh, the results will come. What about the region, Pukekohe, and that? Is there so much uh, excitement? Because, of course, Counties Manukau never had the shield. Yeah. Uh, again, the, after our first couple of games, everyone's a bit excited, and, and uh, there has been big talk here about uh, when we last won it, and and I think there's even been a couple of guys who played in the last Shield Challenge when they got beaten by 100 points, I think. So there are some memories, and everyone's keen to get it, but we just got to make sure we temper that with a bit of reality that Southland aren't going to give it up. And uh, they came through a, a big win last week in the dying minutes against Otago. So you know, they'll play right up until the 80th, 90th, even if it has to go to the 100th minute, they'll keep going until... And they won't let it go. So we've got to make sure that we we do everything right, and and we're willing to to work hard and harder than them to get it. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but you never actually held the shield with with Wellington. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, but you would have had a few challenges that you can pass on to the boys. Some thoughts? Oh, I suppose it's like anything. You've got to go out there and try and win it. You can't keep thinking about the shield, and you've got to try and win the game first. And uh, I suppose you know, I've been in two different scenarios where we, one, we got a hiding. I think we got beaten by 60 in my first challenge. And then the second challenge, we, we just got pipped at the end. And, and that was, uh, both of them were against Canterbury. And, and as I've said to them, is that the Shield lifts teams by another 10, 20% and holds such a great place in New Zealand history that no one wants to lose it. So we're just going to be accurate in what we do. It's Tana Umanga talking to Barry Guy. And still with rugby, the New Zealand women can boast one record the All Blacks would love to have. The Black Ferns have won all three World Cup tournaments. I watched them practice at Albany before their departure. They looked sharp and skipper Melissa Rusco was happy considering they hadn't been together for a while. We try to keep the standards as high as we can. I mean, that was the first one we haven't been together for four weeks now, so... It was, a, it was a little bit rusty in patches, but definitely, definitely coming together. Now, looking ahead, you've, you're three times defending champions. You've got players who've been right through from the beginning and some new ones. So how does the mix look to you in terms of age and experience and youth and enthusiasm? Yeah, no, we've definitely got a great mix, and, and you need that experience. It doesn't matter how old you are, you definitely need that experience there. And, and we've got that in, in some key positions. And the, the younger ones, I don't quite classify myself in that one, but the younger ones are are there to, to just to play their natural game. And your pool, Australia, is it? Uh, South Africa, Wales, how does that shape up compared with the others? I think we've got the toughest pool. I think we really have. But at the end of the day, you've got to win the games to get through and we'll have to play them at some point. So um, we're happy, actually, with the tougher pool. I think it puts you in good stead for, for further down the tournament. And you, what's the mood within the camp like in terms of going there, having won it three times pressure you can look back and look at the men and say well yeah <laughs> yeah and either way we come out and we're still meeting the men but but no I think I think a lot of the pressure we put on ourselves I mean we, we expect to have high standards both on and off the field and and the reasons for that have have brought the outcomes of, of winning so we definitely want to go ahead and and try and win that fourth one mm. and it's gonna be tough though I and mean, it's a different team so yeah we'll, we'll put our best foot forward yeah, and you've got an, an England team which is Almost semi-professional now these days. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, they are. They're pretty much professional. But hey, 
we're playing for that black jersey and, and there's a hell of a lot of heritage and pride in that jersey and and the 26 players that are going over aren't going to want to let the past players down. So we'll be putting in great performances. The All Blacks with the rule changes have been uh, playing the game at a fair old clip. Not so much kicking, lots of running, lots of tries. Yeah. Is that going to be your approach without giving away too much? Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, when we look at our team, we've got flair, we've got pace, we've got skill and, and of course you're going to play to your strengths and, and we're definitely looking at, at some of the things that the All Blacks do and, and trying to emulate that as well and, and then throw in a little bit of individual flair in there. It's definitely a running game, that's what we want to play, so hopefully we can get some dry weather over there. That's Melissa Rusco and the Black Ferns' first match is against South Africa in Surrey on August the 20th. New Zealand sailors have been getting a look at the 2012 Games venue in England at an Olympic-class regatta being sailed there this week. New Zealand has a dozen crews competing in the final round of the World Cup Series off Weymouth and the team's manager says they've been going well. Jez Fanston, who also coaches the 49er crew of Peter Burling and Blair Chuke, told Barry Guy the venue and Games Village should be ideal. It's quite a uh, big horseshoe-type bay. The venue is in Portland Harbour, the sailing centre, which is uh, an old uh, naval harbour, and the board sailors and the Paralympic sailors are sailing inside the harbour, and the rest of the fleets are outside in the bay. It's a, um, there's this current, there's up to a knot of current in the bay, and the prevailing winds are, are westerly, southwesterly. <clears throat> Today, in fact, we had breeze a little bit more out to the right, which gave us new conditions we hadn't seen before. And there's enough room here for them to run uh, seven seven courses. About this time of the year, is uh, two years out from the Olympics, what, what sort of wind conditions are we getting and, and sea conditions? We're getting a bit of everything. We've had everything from four to 24 knots. We had a, a quite a big swell came through yesterday, which gave us a big set of waves. Generally, it's a, a short chop, uh, but if there's um, any kind of southerly or, or um, well, a southerly wind coming in that can produce quite a big swell in the bay. Is there conditions that New Zealanders favour? So far this week we've had some good breeze. We haven't had any real drifters and, and New Zealanders do tend to like sailing with a bit more breeze. And it does favour them. I think in the laser fleet we went in today with, with four sailors in the top 12, three of those in the top 10. So I think that just shows you how so enjoying the conditions here, also how strong that group of sailors is. Have you looked at the facilities, the Olympic facilities, off the water as well? What are your feelings there? Yeah, look, it's all pretty well sorted here. This venue's been built for a couple of years now, and they had an event this time last year where all the facilities were on test. Uh, LOCOG are here helping to run the event, so they're finding out what they need to do, some of the committee boats are new for this event and this is their trials and, and next year they're planning on having a full dummy run with all the boats and facilities as they will be for the Olympic Games in 2012. I'm assuming New Zealand is still some way from finalising the team? That's right, that will happen next year. Will that be a series of trials in New Zealand will it or will it go on world performances? The selection process will be based around uh, regattas next year and those will be international regattas. So do you think uh, Weymouth will be uh, favourable for New Zealand when it comes to the Olympics? Yeah I think it will if this week's anything to go by and, and last year when we were here we had some good strong wins last year and we had a silver medal there for 
Joan Polly in the 470 last year, and we only had three or four classes sailing. New Zealanders will enjoy sailing here. They're a very dedicated, professional group of people who will try and iron out any weaknesses they have in their sailing so that they'll be prepared to take on whatever the conditions throw at them. And do we have plenty of depth in the various classes? I mean, uh, you know, are crews getting pushed? Oh, very much so. And what, what's really encouraging here is we've got a very young team. We've got a lot of young sailors who are, you know, 20, 21, who may not be on track for 2012, but certainly after 2016, and they're pushing the older sailors very hard, particularly in the 470s and then in laser classes. So it's all very good news. And the uh, home crews will do quite well. I'm, I think of Ben Ainsley, of course, but um, well, you expect the, the Brits to do well here? Oh, look, the Brits are a very, it's a very strong sailing sailing program. They've done well in the last two Olympics and they'll be aiming to do well on their home soil for sure. But there are other teams that are already putting in as much effort, uh, the French, the, the Americans, and you know, our guys as well putting in a big effort. We've got 32 people here on the water. We've got support staff of up to 12 people with coaches. We've got weather support, we've got logistics support here, and you know, we're taking it as seriously as we can. That's the New Zealand sailing team manager, Jez Fanstone, and this is Extra Time. The New Zealand men's and women's hockey teams have been named for the Commonwealth Games, where regulations require teams of 16 rather than 18 allowed at International Hockey Federation tournaments. That means two of the Black Sticks women's squad will drop out after the World Cup in Argentina, striker Piki Hamahona and goalkeeper Bianca Russell. The men's backup goalkeeper Stephen Graham won't be going to Delhi either because both coaches, Shane McLeod and Mark Hager, have gambled on taking one specialist keeper, Kyle Pontifex and Beth Jurgelite. They say that given the heat and humidity, it makes sense to take as many field players as possible. And I asked the Black Sticks women's vice-captain Emily Naylor what she thinks about that. Um, it's a new thing, I guess. We've never really been to a tournament with only one goalie, so you just hope that nothing happens to our goalie which very rarely a goalie gets injured so and it means more field players so more legs but yeah so who stands in if Beth does get hurt I'm not actually too sure we might have to sort that one out have you go in the pads <laughs> I'd like to have a go <laughs> maybe start practicing a bit that's Emily Naylor and I also asked the men's captain Phil Burrows why the star striker Simon Child changed his mind after deciding not to go to Delhi for the World Cup earlier this year just the fact that um, we went to the tournament, the World Cup, and the guys came back and reassured them that everything was fine, there was no security problems at all, we looked after really well, and I think that just yeah made him a lot more comfortable. Phil Burrows says the absence of Ryan Archibald and Blair Hopping, who have more than 400 games between them, will leave a big hole though. They're missing the games for work and personal reasons, not concerns about security, something Burroughs' deputy is confident about. Dean Cousins says despite a few hiccups at the World Cup, the hockey venues will be fine too. One thing is you kind of have to appreciate a little bit the differences in culture. Like New Zealand would be organised and ready to go now, I think, in India. Like I think if you look at a lot of the, the way they, they deal with things, they do a lot of things at the last minute, and, and I think that they will push the manpower behind it to make sure it is done. Uh, the hockey stadium yet is finished or very, very close to, to being finished because we used it for the World Cup. And the stadium itself is great, I think, like 15,000 people. I, I'd agree with what Phil said. They were still tidying some things up and could do a little bit better with changing rooms and that side of things but I think that 
like Athens is a good comparison and things will come together at the right time. Now, speaking of Athens, there were peers raised about security there as well. Nothing happened. India has has had its issues uh, with with, uh, terrorism, so has Western Europe for that matter. So from the point of view as somebody as well-travelled as you, presumably you wouldn't be too worried about the prospects or anything going wrong affecting you guys? Yeah, you always have a, a little bit of a worry, I guess, but... After going to the World Cup, I'm more comfortable. I wasn't uncomfortable going in the first place, but uh, having been there and seen the, the arrangements that we had in place for the World Cup, certainly am more comfortable going back. I think it is a shame that there is such a concern around security because you don't have the chance to get out and experience the real India, which is, you know, it's an obvious, obviously it's a really nice side benefit of being able to go to the Com Games, Olympics and, and things like that. That's Dean Cousins, and that's the show for this week. Feedback's welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz, and you can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. Well, we'll be back with the next web-only extra time show next week. I'm Murray Williams. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.